I was praying just before my sermon and Joy came down and sat with me and I shared with her a vision God gave me as I was sitting around there. And the vision God gave me um, just fitted in with what apparently Cherry spoke about because I wasn't in the room when Cherry spoke about the fire of God. I popped to the little boy's room because, well, we won't go there. And when I came back through the door, Joy called me over and she says, Cherry's just called on the, the fire of God. And my heart went boom, boom, boom. Because the vision I had, and I really believe it's a, a vision for this church, and we all need to hear it, is you, you all remember the pr- program, Bonanza, that was on the television? Right, and they used to start it with a map and then in the middle of the map a fire started and it went out and when it went there was writing underneath that said Ponderosa. Right, but in my vision there was a map of Nottinghamshire and there was Stapleford and in the middle of Stapleford it suddenly started to burn and burn out from the middle and when it cleared there was big letters in gold that said mine and God was saying this is mine and this haven is claiming this land for me this is for God and, and you know and when Joy told me that I knew that I had to share that first right so you know if it's important for people if ever you get a word that you need to share it because it encourages us and sometimes it gives us other people who've had a word and not used it it gives us a little kick up the backside to get up and share. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so, right, before we start this morning, I just want you to know I am not talking about anybody particular in this room. <laughs> right? <laughs> I do not want to make any of you feel uncomfortable or feel that this is aimed at you. No, sorry, sorry. What I meant to say was, this is aimed at everybody in this room. Everybody here today, it is my intention to make you feel uncomfortable. It is my intention to make you question why you are here. It's my intention to make you question how you live your life. It's my intention to say, what you're doing here and where are you going? So this morning, I want to ask you a very serious question. Are you alive or are you dead? So turn to the person sitting next to you and say, are you alive or are you dead? You might need to give them a poke just to find out. More accurately, I want to say, are you living in the world and dead to Christ? Are you living for Christ and dead to the world? I'm saying again. Are you living in the world and dead to Christ? Or are you living for Christ and dead to the world? It's as simple as that. As most of you know, as Dave mentioned earlier, I thought he was going to do my preach, but this is what happens when you send him your preach before, you see. He starts using bits of it. <laughs> <laughs> On May the 17th, we got a baptism, right? And it's the first one here. It's the first one since I've joined the Haven, which is wonderful. I'm looking forward to it so much. And 
and I've already asked her so she doesn't mind me saying Tash, our Tash my, my comrade in arms in the coffee shop is taking the first step sorry, the next step on a Christian path she will be doing this because she has recognised that she needs to follow the teachings of Jesus why do we do this? why how does Jesus teach? so if you want to look in your Bibles at John 3 now there were there was a man of the Pharisees called Nicodemus a member of the Jew, Jewish ruling council he came to Jesus and I and said Rabbi we know you are a teacher who has come from, from God for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not upon him in reply Jesus declared I tell you the truth no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again how can a man be born again when he is old Nicodemus asks surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born Jesus answered I tell you the truth no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit flesh gives birth to flesh but the spirit gives birth to spirit you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again so that's pretty clear Jesus says it that's good enough for me there's no arguing there's no theological debate about it if Jesus says it we need to do it Jesus is teaching that we must be born of the water and the spirit now I'm not going to go into some deep theological discussion about which comes first the baptism in the water or the spirit you know we leave that to, to Dave as our leader and teacher because sometimes we can get lost in these theological arguments and although I've been to college just like Dave I look at things a little differently I believe everything that Dave preaches from the front and everything Dave preaches from the front I believe in 100% but I believe that God has called me to point out truths to people to point out to people where we're going wrong where we're going right what we can do to right those wrongs what we can do to make the goods excellent so I want to talk to you about the consequences of following the instructions of Jesus anyone talking to Tash will detect her excitement detect is a silly word because every time you say to it a face lights up from ear to ear there's a big smile and she's full of the joy of the expectation of what's coming to her and rightly so and I'm sure all of us in this room can remember if you were baptised how you felt then but what happened to some of us the lamp has dulled on that day Tash like most of us here will be born again she will die to the world and be alive in Christ alive to the world sorry dead to the world and alive in Christ that leads me to another question are you living in the grave or are you living in the kingdom of God and all that entails in the grave you are dead in the kingdom you are living yeah, yeah. sorry I'm nearly fell in the grave 
Um, I'm in now. You see, when you emerge from the baptismal waters, you are a new creation. You are no longer belonging to the world and its sinful ways. All of your sins are forgiven. Yes, all of your sins. Every single one was washed away in the water of rebirth. Never, ever to be seen again. And they will never be held against you. They no longer exist. Remember, Jesus died once on the cross for all your sins. So every time you talk about the sins from the past, you're nailing Jesus back to the cross. And that doesn't make sense to me because we are a church of an empty cross. I've always wanted to have a church called the Church of the Empty Cross because the empty cross is our sign to us that Jesus is no longer there. He's sitting at the side of God on our behalf. So if you are forgiven, filled with the Spirit and following God, why is it that some of you here are still wearing your burial clothes that you had before you were baptised? Let me read you something from John 11. And most of you know this story where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a a bad odour, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I knew that you were always near me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus' first instruction when Lazarus came out of the grave was to tell his family and friends, take off his grave grave clothes, because there is no place for your burial clothes in the kingdom of God. There's no need for them. You're dressed in royal robes. We're princes and princesses in the kingdom of God. It's it's a real feeling. God really laid this on my, my heart over the last few weeks, that there are people sitting in this room now and and Sadly, there are people who are not here today who are still walking around clinging on to their burial clothes as if they're mementos of their past life. As if every now and again they want to get a hold of them and look at them and say, this is how bad I was then. But that's negative. That doesn't do you any good. They're like anchors that stop you moving where God wants to go. And everything you think about, all the past negative things you think about, is another anchor in the ground and you're pulling them and you're pulling them and you just can't get anywhere. What are some, some, some people have the scars of abuse which are terrible things. Some people have words of discouragement spoken over them. Things like, you're useless. You'll, you're a waste of space. You will never amount to nothing. Let me tell you, 
The devil is a liar. Because those words would never come from Jesus. And if you walk around carrying those words now, you have got anchors that are stopping you getting to where Jesus wants you to be. He's, He's pulled you out the grave. He's pulled you into the kingdom of God. But you haven't made that step. Because the anchors are stopping you moving. Some of you will be carrying the memories of things that you've done. Remember, like I said, Jesus died once on the cross for all your sins. Things like bad relationships, arguments, family feuds, death of loved ones, and the anguishes it caused, and many, many more. These these can be the, 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 the clothes that you're walking around with. So why do we insist on carrying them? So what can you do to break the shackles of these anchors that prevent you living your life in the kingdom of God? As Dave hinted earlier, at the end of the message, and bad news is this isn't the end of the message, is that I'm going to uh, give you the chance to come to the front and for you to leave your burial clothes at the altar of God. One more time. Once and for all, you can leave them here. And then, we will pray for you. You can walk away from here, and the anchors will be broken. The anchors and the burial clothes will be left here. Your past will be left here. And you can move in what God has for you. No longer will your grave clothes prevent you enjoying salvation. So we're going to do that later. My next question is, why do Christians have big butts? B-U-T-S, okay? (laughs) We've all heard it. Yes, I know the Bible says that, but. I know I should do it, but. Yes, I know they need volunteers, but. Jesus can heal me, but. I know Jesus can, can control my finances, but, yes I know it's life group or prayer night, but we've all done it and no doubt we will do it again so the next question is, are you a sheep or a goat right, so turn to your neighbour and ask them are they a sheep or a goat because remember sheep go bar and goes goats but Right? Sheep go bar and goats butt. Jesus is our shepherd. Pastor means shepherd. Sheep flock together. Goats are herded together. They do not move together as one. They are stubborn. Goats have to be pushed. But sheep follow the shepherd. When we say butts, we are failing to give Christ everything. We are holding back on him. Every time we say, but I can't do that, but I'm doing this, but, 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 we're holding back on Jesus. He's never held back on you. He's never held back on me. You tell me anywhere in the gospel where Jesus did anything half-baked and halfway. He never said, I'll just heal the one eye. That's enough. You can see all right with one eye. You know, you'll be all right. He won't fall over and think, you know, one, one eye is enough. He never just healed the, the leper's hands and face. 
So he looked all right when he went to the market with his coat on. <laughs> Free coffee next week for you. <laughs> he did not just supply enough food for everyone. He gave to have a bite. He gave enough food to the 5,000 that there was something left over. Jesus did everything in abundance. He healed totally. He did everything he came to do. He did everything he claimed to do. And when the time was done, he went to his death gladly for you and me. No excuses, no running away, no if or buts. Jesus did it. And we're called to do exactly the same as Jesus. Sorry, Russ. It woke you up, though. Um, we can't keep saying buts. It's, I think it's the worst word in the English language, buts. Because you're stopping yourself attaining the full glory and power of God. So again, are you a dead or alive? Are you a goat or are you a sheep? Or are you Victor Maldrew and live with one foot in the grave? He's over there, look. He hasn't got his cap on today. But if you've got one foot in the grave, think about it. You're just going to be walking around in circles because you, your foot's in the grave. And you're not going to get anywhere. You see, he tells us in Revelation 3 that living like this makes us ineffectual, ineffective to God. I just want to read that from the NIV. And it says... I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. What a terrible thing for, to have spoken over your church. It's, what it's saying is, I've seen your building, looks nice. I've seen you, your worship group, looks nice. I've seen you sitting in, in the church and it's full, looks nice. I've seen your offerings, oh they look nice. But he, he hasn't seen any fruits. He hasn't seen spirit-filled Christians living their lives in the way he wanted them to do. So he's saying that he doesn't know them. That's not what I want to hear spoken over this church. It's, it's, it's just, you know... It means that we're falling short. It means that um, we're not reaching our full potential. It means we're only just doing enough to get by. There's one word that covers all those. It's called mediocre. And are we a mediocre church? We think we're not. But what does Jesus think? It doesn't matter what we think. It's what Jesus thinks. We need to stop the bots. We need... To live in the full strength of the kingdom of God. So, I've been praying about this and I've came up with five points and they're only short points. Steve told me I can only have three. And he's gone now so he's not even going to hear one. The first one is, read the word. It's our instruction book. It's our A to Z. It's more than just a book. It's everything that we are is in the Bible. Right? I love Joshua. 
Joshua is one of my favourite books. And it says at the beginning, you know, God says to Joshua, just after Moses is gone, first of all he tells him, Moses is dead. Right? So, don't go on about Moses. Moses is dead. Nice guy. Move on. You know, and that's what God says to us, you know. Our Moses is, are dead. We need to move on where we are now. We move, need to move on where we are. With the fellowship here, with Dave as our leader, if you look at it, Dave is Joshua and he's leading us where God wants us to be. And God says, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. This is what God told Joshua. These were the actual words from God. You know, they're, they're not some woolly theologian or some, some hermit or a, a Pharisee sat in a, in a cave somewhere who wrote these. These are the words of God spoken. So we have to listen to them. This has to be on our menu every day. The words must be on, the, on our lips all the time. Because when you've got the word of God on your lips, what bad can come from your mouth? When you've got the word of God in your heart, what sin can penetrate your heart? Because the devil runs at the word. He hates the word. He hates it when you pick up your Bible. He hates when you sit down and meditate on what you've read. He hates it. We need to feed on it daily. We need to be, this is number two, we need to be spirit, spirit filled. We can't go around without being full of the Spirit. Jesus did nothing with his work of God until he was baptised in the Spirit. Until the dove descended onto his head, he did nothing. He did no miracles. All he was up until then was a carpenter and a nice guy going around doing some teaching. But the power of God came on him and he performed miracles. Right? And don't go away. I'm just going to... Somebody stole the heater from the back. Pass me the, pass me the heater. I should have guessed where it was, shouldn't I? <laughs> What's this? There's no heater coming out of this. It looks nice. It looks like a heater. But it's not a heater until it's plugged in. And what I'm trying to say to you is, you look nice. You look like a Christian. But until you're plugged into the Spirit of God, where our power comes from, you're not a Christian. You cannot be a Christian unless you've got the Spirit of God inside you. You cannot perform miracles unless you've got the power of God inside you. You cannot do what God's got for you unless you've got the Spirit of God inside you, um, leading your footsteps, choosing your words, power in your mind, and keeping out the world. You've got to be plugged in. You've got to be plugged in. Not once a week on a Sunday morning. You've got to be plugged in 24 hours a day into the Spirit of God. Because other words, how are you going to hear what he's got to say? <laughs> Wendy's upset now. I won't get no tea now after the service. 
Number three, be prayerful. Be relentless in prayer, as Dave said earlier. It is our personal contact with God. It is how we communicate with him and he communicates with us and through the Spirit. How can you have a relationship with someone you never talk to? We all know that sort of thing. You can't have a relationship with somebody unless you talk and communicate (laughs) with them. I remember reading um, the book about Smith Wigglesworth and somebody asked him, how often do you pray? And he replied, I never pray more than two hours and I never go more than two hours without praying. And we all know what Smith Wigglesworth did. He only did those because he was full of the prayer, he was full of the power of God. He was a man, an ordinary man, just like the people here. He was ordinary, but because prayer and the Spirit of God were the most important things to him, God used him as a, as a source of outpouring of wondrous power. And you've only got to read his books, and books written by people who knew him, to realise just how amazing the guy was. And remember, Jesus was constantly praying to God, his Father. Number four, be under leadership. A hard one for some people. Not so hard for those of us who were in the forces, because... It's just a natural thing. But some people have a problem with leadership. And we shouldn't. Because when you're under leadership, you're in that apostolic flow. You know, where, where the, the power of God flows down through the team, through the leader, through the team. And we're all in there. It's not about little badges saying, I am the leader. It's about where God has put people And God has called our leaders. God has anointed our leaders. Right? Dave spoke earlier that we've been friends for for a long time. Dave is my best friend. But he's also my leader. And if Dave asks me to do something, even if I don't like it, I will do it. Because he is my leader. It's not personal. If Dave asks me, and because he's my friend, and because he knows God, and I know that God's anointed him, I know that whatever he asks me to do has come via God. Because he will have to answer to God if he, if he instructs us wrong. So we need, Dave's your friend, Dave's your leader. You need to be under his leadership. We cannot just drift through life without guidance. We need teaching, we need support. And like I said, with the church without a leader is chaos. It's all it is is a Sunday meeting of people who've come for a cup of tea and a biscuit. It's not a case of getting behind the leader. It's a case of getting alongside the leader and going to, into battle with them, seizing the vision with them and fighting for them. Yeah? It's not a case, let's hide behind the leader, let him do all the work. It's get alongside him, go into battle, go in, into glory with the leader, follow him, because he has had the vision, and we need to keep that vision going. Number five, be in a fellowship. Be in relationship. Be part of the church. Get involved in as much as possible. We have all heard the saying, oh, we need a youth worker. We're praying God will supply someone to do that role. I've got news for you. You might be the person that God's calling to do that role. 
We can't keep looking down the road for workers when we've got people within the church who are capable of doing it. I hope this is making some people here feel uncomfortable because what really hurts me is to see people I know love God, I know they're baptised, I know they're spirit-filled, but they're not reaching their full potential. They're not stretching themselves. And it's only when we stretch ourselves that we start to receive even more of the glory of God. And and it makes me want to cry because, because I want everybody... I want to see everybody in front of me rushing. I want, to, I want to have to run to keep up with the people of this church because we're moving so fast. Yeah? You know, if, if you see this as a criticism, it's not a criticism. It's just something I've noticed and it's just something I think God's laid on my heart because he sees it too. He knows. He knows what you think. He knows what you do. He knows what you do when you said you was going to do this, but you had to do that. He knows. And it hurts. It hurts hurts God. Because he wants you to put him first. Because when you put him first, all those other things all fall into place and they get done so much easier. Even if you think it's not your gifting, you can try. Because the workers are short and the vision is big. And the truth is, if you guys don't get off your seats and help, the vision will never grow. We looked at 120 people in here yesterday, and there was people here I hadn't seen. Now, I am fortunate that I can be here every day of the week and being in the cafe with Tash. We see the people coming through the doors, you know, while you guys are at work, you know, and and doing your other jobs, you know, being moms, etc., and we see the people coming through the door and we're seeing the impact we're making on people. One woman came in and says, oh, this, this place is sent from God. And she's not even a Christian. She said before she had nowhere to bring her kids because she couldn't afford to go anywhere. And yesterday, there was about 30% of the people I'd never seen before. And why were they here? Was it just for Paddington? They all come through the door with the expectation to be treated good to have a good time and most of all they knew that their kids were safe because this is where God is this is the safest place in Stapleford is the haven we are a haven for people but if we carry on growing as we are with the cinema we jokingly said yesterday we'll have to go like the old days when they had a matinee and another film you know we could have to do it twice and we're going to need workers to do that And the majority of that work falls to us. And rightly so. Because we also want to have a Christian input to people. Sorry, Russ. (laughs) But we also want to get the people who are coming in unchurched, we want them to get volunteering and help. Because that's the way we can reach them. Now, some of them can be really hard. You know, we've had situations in the week where some of the customers can be really hard. And one way thing of you wants to think, oh, I wish they weren't here. I wish that Joy was here. And I wish that, you know, that Michelle come or Cherry was here because that's spirit-filled. It's great. We can have a great time. But God doesn't 
only want those people here. He wants the people who are unsaved. He wants the people who cause trouble, the people who argue, the people who gossip, the people who steal. He wants them in here because he wants you guys to bring the Spirit of God, the love of God into their lives so next Sunday they'll be sitting here and they will be having an impact on the people. And it will go, and it will go, it will go, and the flames will consume the sin of Stapleford. So we need to be doing it. We all need to be doing it. We can all find other things to do. And my sixth point... (laughs) Just checking you for your weight. Steve's back now, so he only thinks there's five. Um, You've got to be... This is Dave's and mine's favourite word from John John Andrews. Christocentric. Jesus must be the centre of everything you do, everything you say, everywhere you go. Jesus must be at the centre. Yeah? If you're not having Jesus at the centre, if Jesus isn't the head of your house, if Jesus isn't the head of where you work, if Jesus isn't the head of the church, let's all go home and forget it. We'll meet at Cinnamon's every now and again and have some fellowship. Yeah? Jesus must be the centre of everything that you do in your life. And once you get to that place, everything else will fall into place. So let me ask you again. Are you living in the grave? Or are you living in the kingdom of God? Don't be a goat. Be a sheep. No buts. Say bar. Let's all sing in unison. Let's all sing off the same hymn sheep. Hymn sheep? <laughs> right? Now, we spoke earlier about people leaving the burial clothes. And it's, it's a very serious thing. I've spoken to people before about things that they talk about that, that's 20 years ago is still impacting their lives now. Yeah? yeah? And it's stopping them do the work that they can be doing. It's not freeing them up to do the work. They think, oh, I can't do it. I'm not, no, I can't do that. When today, when people, when Dave asked people to come forward, there was, I, I detected this in my heart. God laid this on me. There were, there were people who had sat down and not come to the front who wanted to come forward, but they don't think they're worthy. Hey, the devil's a liar because there's nobody in the leadership of this church who has ever said anybody is unworthy. Everybody is worthy. So, I want to give everybody the chance this morning now who've got burial clothes, things from the past that are hanging over them, things in the heart, things in the mind, things on the tongue, if they want to bring them forward, do you want to bring them forward to us, Pastor Dave and Steve, we will pray for you. You can leave them here. And when you go off for a cup of tea, they're here, they're left leave them at the foot of Jesus leave them on his altar and he will take them away and you can leave here with no anchors you can go home with no anchors you can enjoy life you can, the boat can be steered by God where he wants it to go your anchors will not stop you moving so don't, don't miss this opportunity these things aren't worth carrying around they're not good for you They're just holding you back. The devil is using them to stop you being 
the Christian that Jesus wants you to be.